On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchondo. Oh, we are so glad to have you here for another Second Shot Sit-Down. And this one is with Stephen Hawley, who is the president and CEO of Carry the Load. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He is also a veteran, served as a Navy SEAL officer for SEAL Team 5. He completed four deployments to Iraq and Southeast Asia. And then he came back here. He didn't stop. He co-founded Carry the Load with fellow Navy SEAL Clint. Bruce. Carry the load, you know, among other things, is really a way to bring back the real meaning of Memorial Day. And I tell you what, this is a group that I've known about just from media coverage for a long time. However, I wanted to have a more in-depth conversation about why it exists, how we can teach our children about it, and how we can even just have some deeper discussions with our families. So, Stephen, I am so glad to have you here. Thank you for having me this morning. So I know a lot of people are you know, familiar with Carry the Load, but for those who are not, can you explain what it is and sort of what it looks like around that Memorial Day time? Yeah, Carry the Load is a nonprofit based here in Dallas that was started back in 2011. And, and really was started out of candidly some anger and some frustration. Yeah. You mentioned Clinton Bruce, my, uh, my co-founder. Sure. It, it came on the heels of us losing some friends of ours um, that we'd served with, and Memorial Day weekend rolled around. There wasn't a lot of talk about, you know, the real meaning behind that holiday. It was more about a three-day weekend to start the summer and barbecues, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but with with some of that pain and frustration, um, Clint and I got together and started talking about an event where people could come together to have what we called a meaningful Memorial Day experience and, and to bring back the true meaning of Memorial Day. And what started with one event here in Dallas in 2011, um, with a, a couple hundred uh, participants during that event, and I think we raised about $100,000. And that money we wanted to raise to give to other nonprofits that supported military, uh, veteran, law enforcement, fire and rescue, first responder uh, charities. And so, Again, one event in 2011, here we are um, 11 years later. I'm like, where, where are we? I don't even know. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to calculate 11 it. <laughs> years later, and we, um, in the month of May this year, Carry the Load will have five different legs of a national relay. One that starts in New York, uh, one that's in North Dakota, one that's in Minnesota, um, actually two on the east coast and then we've got our west coast leg that starts in seattle all of those legs walking 24 hours a day seven days a week over 20,000 miles cumulatively that will all culminate here memorial day weekend for our dallas memorial march okay. and those those are all that's essentially a commercial during the month of may for carry the load and for the the importance of memorial day it's also through those events we raise money for nonprofits that again military veteran law enforcement fire and rescue first responders and their families 
And that's dozens and dozens of nonprofits across the country. And, and in the last 11 years, we've gone, I think, over $32 million that we've raised that, um, again, what started as a very small grassroots effort here. Hold on, $32 million. Yeah, it's hard hard to believe. Wow. And, and that's, you know, I, I tell you that, that's a testament to, you know, as a veteran, you know, what I always tell people is, is it's less than 1% that have worn the uniform in the last 20 plus years since since 9-11. But, but I say the 1%, the, we started it for ourselves because wanting to have a, an outlet for, for Memorial Day, but w where we've really seen our growth and what we've tapped into is, you know, the 99% that ne didn't necessarily serve, but knew that Memorial Day should be more than a three-day weekend to start the summer. And the magic of our events are, you know, that fellowship and the interaction of, of the 99 and the 1%. And that, our participants, our volunteers, and last, certainly not least, we've got a laundry list of phenomenal corporate sponsors, um, the lead of which across the country is J.P. Morgan Chase, who through their infrastructure, we've been able to grow this over the last 10 years and, and really have become a, uh, a national nonprofit. So I want to uh, just challenge everybody to kind of put themselves in your shoes. We've all had, you know, at, to, to your point, most of us have not experienced what you've experienced, which is, uh, you know, on the day, which is so important to you because of the people that you had worked with in the past who are gone. We may have had, you know, Mother's Day comes along for someone who's not able to be a mother, or perhaps lost their mother, or per, you know, perhaps just an innocuous day and they, you know, lost a child or had a tragic thing happen, got a cancer diagnosis. Every every year when that day comes around and everyone's just living their lives is so hard. So you guys imagine that we put forth this day here as a country and we say this is what it's about and then and then all, all we really kind of see is like, the, yeah, the day off from school or the, the summer, I can see that just like hurting my heart if, if I'm you. And, and you know, I, I would tell you, I was, I was in that same boat until I served, until I had, you know, you lose some friends and all of a sudden that day takes on a lot deeper significance. And so it was, you know, it was, it was through that experience that um, again, we selfishly we started it for us, us yeah. veterans. But our growth has been through, you know, the vast majority of, of folks that participate with us don't have that direct connection. So I want to hear more about your story because again, it's one thing to say, you know, oh, he served, and we we and we thank you for your service. But I think it's important to dive a little bit deeper into why you know this day important is so important to you. So let's take us through, you know, what made you decide to serve our country to begin with. Let's, let's rewind to there. You know, I had a couple of grandfathers that both served in World War II. Uh -huh. So it was always, you know, there, there was always in the back of my mind, the, you know, that significance of, of military service. But it wasn't until I was in high school, and I was actually being recruited to play football at the U.S. Naval Academy that uh, I went up there, had a visit, and, and you know, it was an opportunity that you, I couldn't, I couldn't, pass up. And so that's what led me into the military and college at the Naval Academy. And then coming out of a, um, a service academy, you've got to, you know, depending upon your what you select, you've got a certain minimum amount of time you've got to serve. And so it was during the, my college years that I was lucky enough to be able to get an opportunity to go try to become a Navy SEAL. And, and that's what I ended up doing and, and went through that training and got to SEAL Team 5 actually about a month after 9-11. You know, got through. Oh, wow. 
Got through all the training, the, uh-huh. the jump schools, the advanced training, and actually showed up at the team. And it was obviously a very interesting time to to show up as a. Uh, oh, a, I can't an, imagine. Yeah, yeah and, and and wondering how old were you at the time? Oh, um, twenty-three. Yeah, your brain's like. Was it just still kind of forming? Was uh, it kind of still? Twenty-three, twenty-four. You know, I mean, I'm taking my brain still forming. Yeah, my same here, likewise. But uh, but I'm I'm thinking. Did you understand sort of the gravity of what had what was happening in our country at the time? You know, we were um, at a at a base we had in in California out in the desert in advanced training, going through a land warfare block that was a few weeks long when 9/11 happened, and we. I actually had been up very early that morning, again, on the West Coast, doing some training in the dark. We'd come back for breakfast in the chow hall, and we were watching it live. And, I mean, it was like a switch flip right away. We knew exactly what we were doing and why we were training, and it became very real very quickly. Because prior to that, if I'm following your story correctly, it was kind of like college education, football, leadership, competition. Yeah, is got, that um, is that right? It, and, well, it, yeah, that's what brought me the there. Country. But you know, when when the time came to to make a service selection, I've I'd always had the SEAL teams in the back of my mind okay. once I once I went to the academy, and so um, you it, you understood what you you thought you understood what you're getting into, but that day really uh-huh. brought it home so much. So we had an individual that actually. Um, left training that day after you know we were we were at the tail end of almost a year's worth of curriculum to get to that point and and, and again nothing did he or no, she explain why or uh yeah it, it was obvious it was okay it was obvious yeah yeah so and, and you know nothing wrong with that if not everyone's cut out for it and um but long answer to short question that day is was was a very significant day for our country and, and a very significant day for you know a group of us who were just getting getting done with training people hear that someone was a navy seal and they're so impressed it's it, it automatically i think makes people think a certain thing about that person and perhaps their their stamina or their their mental strength can you explain what that training process is like for people who really don't know it, yes you know there's especially over the last 20 years there's been a lot of there's been a number of documentaries that have been done. Yeah. Um, well, there, because people are fascinated by it. One of I which. I hear your experience. The first, I think it was the first Discovery Channel documentary that came out in 2001. Actually, went through and documented our class. Um, over about a six seven month period, and I would tell you that that training is uh, the notoriety comes in the physical challenges and the the, the things that they put you through. But when you really boil it all down, they're using your body to figure out what's what's you know up here between your ears, and so it is a, a, a number of physical tests over a six month period that that it's not if and when you're going to fail in that training. They're going to find something that you struggle with, and it's how you respond to it, and that's really the the, the gist of it is how you respond to adversity, and it's about being able to put others and the guys around you ahead of yourself and the needs of others ahead of your own and that's really what that training is all about how long were you in training for um with buds is about six to seven months depending upon kind of the the check-in phase but you know call it six months of 
buds, which is really what most people associate with SEAL training. Um, and we started, uh, buds, we started with 118 guys, I think, uh-huh. and we graduated 18 of those. Where the, what'd you do the other 100? It, you know, it was... It's hard. A lot, of, that... a lot of attrition. Okay. Um, and then we rolled into... <laughs> Stephen's being so busy. <laughs> a lot of attrition. <laughs> we went to um, jump school, Army jump school out at Fort Benning, and then we, as a class, and then we came back for another, that was a couple months, and then we came back for advanced training. So again, the, the whole pipeline was about a year long between going to BUDS and, and showing up at a SEAL team. Uh-huh. Why were you one of the 18? Stubborn, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I tell people that it's one of those things where you never know how you're gonna react to being pushed to a place where you've never been physically, mentally, or emotionally. But, you know, I always t- just told myself, you know, m- let's make it to the, that my mantra, which was great advice given to me by someone else who'd, who'd completed the training was just make it to the next meal. Uh-huh. As opposed to thinking about, I got six months of this. Uh-huh. When you get up in the morning, you know, you got a couple of hours of training before breakfast. Let's get to breakfast. And then at breakfast, you know, let's get to lunch. And if you can break it down evolution by evolution that way, it, it, it's, not, it's not insurmountable. But where people get in trouble is when they start thinking about being cold, wet, and miserable um, for six months at a time. That's where your mind can mess with you. I've heard of that mindset described in, in so, for so many different types of challenges. Um, even, you, you know, gosh, so many different types of mental challenges. D- did that carry over into regular life after the fact? Do you still use that today? You know, it definitely gives you a perspective. Um, again, I think very few people put their bodies in a situation to be pushed to that point, which, um, Again, that getting to that point physically is what allows you to tap in mentally. It just gives you a perspective of what you can actually do. Um, and I would tell you the human body is, is infinitely more capable than we give it credit for. Most people give it credit for, you know, on a, on a, on a daily basis. We just don't, we're just not. We don't push ourselves? We don't push ourselves. Do you think there's a reason, I mean, first of all, I'm glad that you do. I, I don't want to ask this question without saying, you know, giving much gratitude for those who do and for, for those who sacrifice and those who really push themselves. If you didn't have to do it for that, do you think that you um, would have reaped the benefits from pushing yourself to that level just for the intellectual stimulation or physical stimulation? I, or is that going to damage you long term? I, I don't know. If outside of that structured environment with professionals that are taking you through it, and, and it, it, believe it or not, a lot of it is very choreographed as far as how much time they yeah. can sit you in 45 degree water, not doing anything, and knowing when the body's gonna go into hypothermia. There, there's okay, a lot Okay, so there's some safety measures. Oh, there's a, yeah, they've got it down to a science. And so they know, all that's to say is, I, I don't think anyone could just, it'd be very hard to replicate putting yourself through that without, um, some of the professional aspects that go into administering that training. That's such a good point. Did that help, did knowing that help you at all as you're doing it, thinking this, I feel like I'm going to perish. I feel like I'm not gonna make it, but I do know that a bunch of other people have done this before and there are tests in place to make sure that I survive this. Y- yes, um, 
but sadly, you know, we saw people die in, tra in that training. Yeah. There, there was an individual um, in the class behind me during Hell Week that died in the pool, um, you know, two or three days into Hell Week. Ended up drowning. With, it, I, I can't remember exactly what ended up happening, but and, and most recently there was another there was another trainee. Here, I want to say here in the last twelve months that died during training as well. So all those things are in place, but you're still you're still putting yourselves into situations where it's extremely dangerous. Extremely, and so you made it through that. Then what? Um, we got to a SEAL team and ended up deploying um, four times over about a five-year period, five and a half-year period. Um, is that it, a lot? Is that that, that it, seems that sounds like a lot? It, it was it, it, after 9/11. The pace with which we deployed and True. where we deployed, um, especially then when when the conflict in Iraq uh, kicked off in 2003, it was just it was an accelerated pace of of what they call operational tempo, and so. Um, but four deployments, and, and it was what I would tell you a, a very good experience for me just because you get a very unique perspective on the world, um, being able to travel and see how most of the world doesn't have the same opportunities and the same luxuries that we mm -hmm. take for granted mm -hmm. day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And I, I always tell people, you know, and it kind of ties back into carry the load and why one of the reasons why I think we started it but whether you're in the military whether you're you know in the Peace Corps whether you're on a mission trip whatever vehicle you need to use I, I think it's very beneficial for young people to go see a, a, another portion of the world that yeah. that's <clears throat> a third world country yeah it just gives you just gives you a, a very unique perspective and appreciation for, for what we have here. Of course. And again, I, I don't think everyone is cut out for military service, and but there are multiple avenues and vehicles with which you could do that, and sure. it's it's something that I'm a proponent of. That's such that's such a good point. So you went. I mean, it was. I can only imagine that we just felt like go 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 go, and then at the end. And at the end, what ended up. Uh, from my, my wife and I who dated through <clears throat> three deployments and then we got married before my last. So she's strong too. Way stronger than I am. Um, and I don't say that lightly, but. No, I can, I can imagine that's a lot to, for a relationship to go through. But when we, uh, when we got pregnant with our first, that, that uh, I was actually about a, four or six weeks into a deployment in Iraq in 2005 when, when we found that out on Mother's Day of all days, ironically. Oh, wow. Um, but that changed, that changed my long-term mm -hmm. perspective and uh, was the catalyst for getting out of the Navy. Okay. And I always joke that here I am, you know, 16 years later with five kids and... Um, you have five kids? I have five kids. That's why you did that SEAL training. <laughs> that, that was it, you guys. <laughs> exactly. And so um, it, it was... You know, obviously, the right decision to get out, and and my wife and I have been blessed with, yeah, with a wonderful family. Oh, that's beautiful. So then you come back here. What was that sort of? I don't know what what's it called. Were you reintegrating into life? Transition. Transition. What was the transition like? It was an interesting transition. I got into the commercial real estate business when I got back here to Dallas, 
um, and I had people that would, I don't think they used the word transition at that point, but they, okay. they had, it wasn't a warning, but it was more or less, it could be an interesting, an interesting time as you make that adjustment from. No, all these people have been here just watching Netflix and doing their jobs and you've been out here well, doing this. And so it was a very, it was an interesting transition and there was things that I struggled with that I never anticipated I would struggle with, but I really, really missed the SEAL teams, the community, and, and when you boil, I missed the guys that I've been serving yeah. with. And so I really wrestled with that and, and several times during that, you know, that initial two or three year period, I thought long and hard about going back in the Navy. Mm. And, um, but it was carry, you know, it was starting carry the load that really allowed me to turn a corner. And I, I would, I would tell people that, and this is coming through dozens and dozens and dozens of conversations, generally over lunch with other, what I would call young professionals during that period of time where we would, we each had similar military experiences. We had couple deployments overseas, we transitioned out, we were in a somewhat of a professional capacity, be it real estate, banking, sure. insurance, and we would sit down what across- What a job change we would sit down what across you did the, before. Yeah, we'd sit down across the table from each other and, and the question was like, this, this can't be all there is. Uh. There was this hole that stemmed from taking off the uniform, I think losing that sense of, you know, that, that purpose of serving, and so it was a very real struggle for a lot of people and carry the load allowed me to kind of pour that need for service into another vehicle after i'd gotten out of the navy and so again i'm a i spent a lot of time on carry the load really all year but april may and june are, are i would tell you it's almost half my time but it's a volunteer position for me sure. i've always i'm, I'm a volunteer CEO and I'm a part of a volunteer board that helps manage a, a very small but incredibly capable staff. Do you still do commercial real estate? Oh yes. Okay, I'm that's, like, okay, somebody's gotta pay for the five kids. That's how I, <laughs> yeah, that's how I pay the bills. Yes, okay, well, the, yeah, I, I, can, I can see how that would just be a really, just such stark contrast to come into the working world, just like the, the pace, I mean, everything, the, the pace, the culture, the, uh, yeah, you're just, oh, gosh. <laughs> probably completely different. So you start Carry the Load, and when you started, did you imagine that it was going to be what it is today? Never in a million years did, did Clint and I envision our, our, the growth that we've had. But you know, going back to something I said earlier, when, when we tapped into these, we tapped into the unforeseen, that interaction, that fellowship that takes place between those that have served and those that haven't. And that's really where we get these phenomenal stories that keep people coming back year after year. Yeah. It's a very hard event to articulate until you go and you experience it. Yeah, I agree. I've been there covering it as media, which is different than actually experiencing it as well, because that's not really experiencing it. But, you know, even just to see the, the you know, what what's taking place is beautiful. When, when you see Carry the Load, you also see the line, who are you carrying? What does that mean? You know, it's interesting, that line, who are you carrying? So going back to before this all started, my co-founder Clint had an experience on, again, Memorial Day weekend rolled around. And it was really the, the, the impetus f for starting, but 
he went out to White Rock Lake one Memorial Day morning, put on a backpack, was walking around. Again, physical physical pain, physical exertion, helping deal with some of the emotions that okay. he was okay. that he, he was had, having. He had learned how to do that. Yeah, that's a learned learn behavior. You, 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 put, you don't just grow up learning knowing you, that. You can put yourself through. And again, that's that's a healthy outlet for dealing with some of those things. Anyway, he was out there walking around White Rock Lake, and it was during one of those laps where he passed an older gentleman who, by his appearance, by his age, by the way he carried himself, he was either a World War II or a Korean War veteran. Okay. And when they passed each other, that gentleman looked at Clint and said, son, who are you carrying? And the articulation of that, that's the exact reason why Clint was there. And we've also often wondered about, again, Memorial Day weekend, White Rock Lake, Memorial Day morning, how many decades of Memorial Days had that guy been out there totally. doing the exact same thing by himself? Totally. And so when Clint shared that with me and a few other people, it was like, okay, there's, there's a need for this. That's why he was out there. That's why you were out there. How can we bring an event that can give people right. this opportunity? There's probably another guy out there that needs this too. Yep. So it was initially for that person, and then everybody else kind of, kind of joined in. It seems like it's really just taken off. Yeah, it's it's amazing the growth that we've had. So we talked a lot about the mental toughness that you, I don't know, demonstrated and also acquired during your training. That when you come back to regular life and you're a dad and a husband of five kids, how um, how does that translate? How do you then? Uh, sort of access maybe the empathy or the tenderness that's required to fulfill those roles? Um, it's, you know, I, I don't think, at least I wasn't ready for for being a, a dad or a, a parent, um, but it's just something you learn. And, um, y you know, <laughs> you can't not... There's very few situations as a father and a husband where you can apply some of the same things in the manner in which you go about them that you did in the SEAL teams. But there are lessons to be learned from, um, you know, working with others, empathy, patience. Sure. You know, everyone uh, getting input from everybody before okay, decisions the team, are made. Yeah. The team environment, you that's bet. true, that's true. I think it can just be, you know, somebody wouldn't, wouldn't you know, necessarily have to have been in the military to have understood a, you know, perhaps an upbringing that was very stringent or, you know, an accomplishments, getting accomplishments because of mental toughness and then softening for the family. It can be really hard. I, I find that to be hard myself even, and I've never been through what you've been through. It's, yeah, it's an interesting, it's definitely an interesting balance. Um, I'm asking because I want the answer for myself. <laughs> I, there is no easy answer there. <sighs> you know, like yeah. anything in life, when you don't have any experience, you just, you're learning day to day. Yes, yes, learning as you go. Um, what about for, for your children when you talk, what, are, what is the age range right now? I've got a 16-year-old, 16-year-old uh -huh. uh, son, 14-year-old daughter, a 10-year-old son, and then twin boys that actually turned nine on yesterday. Oh my gosh, well happy birthday to them. Now when they were growing up, so they've been really sort of growing up as you've been doing Carry the Load and seeing it grow. Interesting question. My oldest, um, 
2011, he was five. Okay. She was three. I only had two kids at the time. In the first, I would tell you, two to three years, they didn't, at that age, you don't realize what's really going on other than there's all these people out here. We're having fun walking. There's a lot of really fun, family-friendly uh, events to do sure. at the event. But three, maybe four years into it, I started getting questions about, hey, Dad, who are these you know, who, who are the pictures you're carrying on this uh, weight vest you're running with? Who are all of these pictures of up and down the Katy Trail? And so I started to get very interesting questions that were opportunities to start teaching my kids about, yeah. you know, what Memorial Day is all about and, and service and sacrifice and telling them stories about, you know, the folks that I served with, that were friends with, that, that made the ultimate sacrifice. So again, unintended consequence to be able to teach my own kids. And now, you know, here we are 11 years later, my kids count down the day every year for carry the load. And again, there's a lot of fun things to do, but they they also realize the significance of that holiday and the importance of it. And through kind of those efforts and over the years being asked to speak to a lot of different schools and, and young younger uh, kids about carry the load, um, we've actually started a curriculum called Carry the Flag. And Carry the Flag is an educational program that, again, has its own curriculum that we've written. That we've, I think we're in now over 150 schools across the country. And again, it teaches the importance of service, sacrifice, patriotism, and what all those things mean and, and how, you know, how, how to apply those um, in your own community. And again, never would have imagined that that would have uh, blossom out of this event, but it's just another way that uh, we've been able to grow it and, and have, being a father of five, just a huge blessing to see the impact that we've had on other on other young people. Right, because unless somebody comes from a family that's been committed to service or, you know, a, a, gosh, they had a grandfather or a father or mother or something that was involved, there's really not a lot of conversation around it. It's like anything in life. If you're not exposed to it, you, you don't have uh, that perspective on it and you don't have, an, you know, generally a great understanding of it. So sure. and going back to the percentages, 1%, 99, yeah. there's a lot more kids, you know, on the 99% side. So that's really, you know, key for us to continue to grow, whether it's through carry the, lag, or carry the flag or, or, you know, the other avenues that are out there for these young kids to learn about the importance of service. So what can kids expect or fa families expect if they decide to show up? So, you know, people, our event is 20, the Dallas Memorial March on Memorial Day weekend is a 20 hour event, Sunday into Monday. And, and a lot of people, when they first hear that, they're like, I'll give you money, <laughs> but I'm not coming out for 20 hours. And what I would tell people is the vast majority of our participation is moms, dads, young kids, strollers, and they come out for, um, either a couple of hours at the beginning or a couple hours at the end. Very, the vast majority don't do the entire 20 sure. hours, although there's a lot of people that do. But there's a lot of family friendly, uh, you know, bounce houses, um, food trucks. Rivershawn Park is a great venue with a phenomenal playground, but it's very interactive for the kids of all ages. And it's a very celebratory atmosphere. But at the same time, there are opportunities to have very somber experiences with the way that the trails laid out and the stories that we tell. Um, and I, I would 
you know, I, I tell you, some of the most somber moments happened after some of that crowd participation dies down and into the early hours of the night when, you know, you'll see either friends of those that have made the sacrifice or, or Gold Star families that are out there, you know, walking in remembrance of, of family members that very poignant moments. Beautifully done. I am so glad that way back when you decided to, you know, you and your, your co-founder decided to take action instead of just saying, we wish this existed. So thank you for doing that. Where can everybody find you and, you know, get more information and, and get connected, whether they're in Dallas or elsewhere? You can go to carrytheload.org. And again, the, the three calls to action are volunteer, uh, donate, or participate, or all of the above. And, and participation, you can go you go online and find more about the Dallas Memorial March here, but also the five legs of the National Relay. We're in 48 states um, with dozens and dozens of additional rallies this year across the country. So wherever you live in the United States, there's a really good chance that we're in pretty close proximity to you with one of our relay legs or one of our rallies. Stephen Holly, well done. I'm just, I'm so impressed. Thank you so much for the information. So you guys, here's what we will do. We will link up all the information in the episode notes. You know that these air on CW 33. And then of course you get in the, the full rundown, the full long episode here. And we will link up all the details at CW33.com and secondshotpodcast.com. I really hope you found this to be valuable and maybe gosh, just some, some lessons for, for you and for your family if you have one. We'll talk to you soon.